1: morning everybody. This morning we are small in number, but you know what? That means there's more of Christ to go around. Ha <laughs> please, please be seated. <laughs> uh, let's get some water. Early in my walk with Jesus, and I mean very early in my walk with Jesus, I knew that above all things that I esteemed as important because when you you know young in the lord there's so many things that are so important to you like for instance should i become a pastor should, should i become a missionary sell everything i remember one day like coming home from talking to my pastor and speaking to my wife we have to sell everything we have to go we have to sell everything thank goodness my wife was more sensible than i was <laughs> But all these things that I esteemed so important and I was weighing through them, you know, should I go and study and get a degree or should I just be a, you know, a a Christian businessman? I knew then that the most important thing or the highest calling for me was to know the Lord. What does it really mean to know the Lord? I think, you know, we live in an age of technology, right? We have so much knowledge abounding to us. Surely technology can tell us how to know the Lord. What do you think? What do you think? Should we give it a go? Let's ask Google. Come on. We're going to ask Google. Who is God? Wow. Now I know God. I know He's necessary according to Google. Hang on, hang on. Let me just ask something else. Google, um, can you give me some good jokes for the audience? No? Google, can you give me a different audience then, please? No. <laughs> I want to start by asking you a more deeper question. Do you really know God? And it's not, a, it's not a question that's designed to confuse you or to even cause judgment or anything like that. I think it's a question that is a good question. And it's a question that we should be asking ourselves far more often than we do. And the reason for that is because as human beings, when it comes to relationships, we are guilty of two key things. Number one... We take relationships for granted. Even in our church life, it's possible that we take this for granted. We, 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 we affiliate ourselves with the peripherals of church life. You know, the service, the, what the preaching was really good, and the worship was so awesome, and the serving was so good. And and, and we never stop to think about um, how we can actually deepen our relationship and get more intimate with God because we become satisfied and comfortable with our church life. The second thing is we often ignore the important things in relationships. The most important thing for somebody in a relationship is typically going to be the harder thing to do or to appreciate because also as human beings, we tend to to enjoy and focus on the things that are beneficial in a relationship, you know, things that please me and are beneficial to me, but isn't that why relationships tend to break down in the end? Because the things that were most important to a person never ever gets addressed and eventually you know you, you just put up with it and put up with it and put up with it, and eventually it just breaks down this word "no have we got the uh, the framework up there? This word "no" is such an important word to Jesus, especially when he 's framing some of the most important things like who will go to heaven or who will enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus uses the word "no for instance. Does everybody know the parable of the ten virgins? No. okay, let me tell you about the parable of the Ten virgins. They all had a lamp with oil in it, and they were all lit and and all the ten virgins were in waiting. they were waiting for the groom to arrive um, so that the celebration of the of the wedding could take place. Ruth was talking about you know the spotless bride, so they were all waiting, but five of them ran out of oil, and their lights their lights went out. And so they were like, oh, you know, they went to the other five and said, can can we have some of your oil, please? Because, you know, the bridegroom might arrive any moment. Can we have some of your oil? And the five that had oil sensibly said, sorry, you can't because if you take some of our oil, all of us will run out. You better get back to the shop and get some oil. Now, I'm not going to go into what the oil or the lamp means or anything. That's not the purpose of this message. But of course... While they were away, getting their oil, the bridegroom arrives. And Jesus arrives, opens the door to the celebration, and he invites the five that have their, their lights burning, and he, they enter in, and he closes and locks the door. And then the five arrive afterwards, and they get there, and the door's locked, and they, Lord, please let us in. Lord, please let us in. What do you think Jesus said to them? Did he say to them, No, you can't come in because you've got no oil. No, you can't come in because you're rebellious. No, you can't come in because you're sinful. No, you can't come in because you were not ready for me or prepared for me. He didn't say any of those things. What he did say was, you cannot come in, and I'm paraphrasing, because I do not know you. I do not know you. And so this word, no, is so important to Jesus. What he's telling us is that the most important thing for Jesus is a personal relationship. That is the most important thing. Not whether you're obedient or These are all important things. But the most important thing is a personal relationship with him. And so Jesus does something quite amazing like he always does. He flips the world upside down. All of our worldly thinking, he turns it upside down. And, he's, and, he, and he tells us through these top of parables that it's not so much how much you know Jesus, but how much he knows you. Does Jesus know you is the key thing that we need to be asking ourselves You know, you can go, we're talking about degrees, you can go um, to college and get yourself a degree. You can get all the different things that you think are important. But I'm going to tell you something now, that the greatest degree that you can get is the degree in which you know Jesus. You can learn more from somebody that has no degrees. But lives their lives like Jesus, as opposed to somebody that has every degree and every MA, BA, MCH, whatever it is alongside their name, but lives like they're part of the world. Recently, um, I just went to watch uh, tennis um, at the Brisbane Open with, a, with, a, um, with my cousin. Um, And while we were sitting there, we were watching these two women play, and we were really impressed with this one girl, how how, uh, energetic she was, uh, how hard she hit the ball, and and how precisely she she did it. And so we were having a chat, and little did we know, but uh, this this girl's mum was sitting right next to us. So we struck up a conversation with the mum. I think she was a US Live And she was telling us more about this girl. In fact, she's actually just uh, played in the Australian... um, uh, the Adelaide Open final. That's how good she is. And so, you know, we were having a chat to the mum, and we were learning more about her. And as human beings, what actually happens is when you when you talk to somebody important or you think is important, you become affiliated to it. And as we, you kind of feel like you're a little bit more part of the deal, you know. Because I spoke to the mom. and so now, and so now we, we you know, me and my cousin, we watching TV, and there she is. There, go, go. You know, like it's almost like she's we are championing her on. Like we know her. But the thing is that if I walked past her in the street, she wouldn't know who the heck I was. She doesn't know anything about me, and I don't know anything about her. Is it possible that we can be affiliated to the body of Christ, even love the body of Christ, but know nothing about the head of Christ? Matthew um, 7, 21, 23 says this. Not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and, and in your name drive out demons? He's talking about Christian people here. Because non-Christians don't prophesy in his name. And non-Christians do not call him Lord. Did we not drive out demons in your name, perform many miracles? Then I want to tell them plainly, I never knew you. I don't want to be over dramatic today, and, and probably I have already. I've probably just over-dramatized stuff and put you all on edge. And I want you to know something, that we cannot put God in a relationship box Okay, I just want to put you at ease. You cannot put God in a relationship. Every single person has a different experience or relationship with Jesus, and that is good. We all experience Jesus differently. You know, the Word of God says that the starting point to a relationship with Jesus, to knowing God, is to give your life to Jesus. That's how we started off. Then when you surrender your old life and, and your old life is gone and your new life comes, that's the beginning of a relationship of knowing God. And then there's, there's the other stuff, you know, like that we preach and teach about in church so often. You know, um, how, how, do you, how do you know God? Surely it's by reading His Word of God. Surely it's by praying. I mean, this is, this is one-on-one relationship for dummies, isn't it? I mean, if, you, if you're young and you want to meet somebody, how do you really get to know that person unless you spend time with them? You've got to spend time with with God. The more you spend time in the Word, and unfortunately the thing is about this is that we know this, but we still don't do it. I mean, I read the Word of God every single day, and I pray every day, but I know that I could be spending more time with God. I know I could. But the Word of God is living. it's It's breathing. You know, when you read the Word of God, it's Jesus speaking to you. It's a relationship that's happening. And the more you spend doing that, the more you get to know God. And the more you spend praying, He's answering, He's listening. The more you spend time praying in tongues, your spirit is speaking to His Spirit. You're getting to know God. And so what I'm trying to say is we can't put relationships in a box. There are many ways of knowing God. But the reason why I've called it... The secret to knowing God this morning is because sometimes there are parts of God that are really important to Him that we overlook because it puts us into that discomfort box. And I want to reveal one to you this morning that I I believe is really important to Him. I believe it's very, very important to Him. And I believe that if you uh, begin to exercise this, your faith will grow and you'll get to know God more. So we're going to turn to some scriptures if you can uh, find them in your, in your Bibles or in your phones, I think they will be up on the top. If you could put the Scriptures up. <clears throat> the first one is Matthew 25, 34 to 40. That's the uh, New Testament. And then we're going to go to the Old Testament, to Jeremiah 22, 15 to 16. Um, so Matthew 25, 34 to 40. If we've got that on the screen, if we could put that up. Is Tanya back there? Um, and, then, and then we're going to go to Jeremiah 22, 15, 16. And while you're doing that, I'll just give you a sort of context of the first one. Jesus in the first one is talking to, um, to the people in front of them, and, and he's giving them sort of end times um, when he returns, what's going to happen when he returns. And he says, I'm going to call all the nations together. They're going to all be in front of me. And I'm going to call them sheep and goats. And, and basically, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goat and then he t- starts talking about what what the goats will inherit and what the sheep will inherit. And we're just going to do a small portion of that. Once again, I'm not going into the details of what that all means because it, it'll s- sort of take me away from where I want to go this morning. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. And I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers, these brothers and sisters, you did for me. Now we're going to jump to Jeremiah twenty-two, fifteen, sixteen. 16. This is a piece of scripture where this kind of sermon has kind of come from because I saw this scripture and it slapped me in the face. Because it connected the dots for me, and I hope it does that for you too. The context of it is uh, Jeremiah the prophet is speaking to the king Jehokim. Uh, his dad was Josiah, and Josiah was a good king. He did what was right in, in the eyes of the Lord. Jeho Kim, his son, was doing the wrong things in the eyes mm-hmm. of the Lord. And so he's speaking to him, he says, does it make you a king to have more cedar? And more cedar. In other words, you're filling these palatial things. Does that make you a king? To have all this wonderful wood in your palaces. Did not your father have food and drink? In other words, did I not provide him everything he needed? He did what was right and just, so all went well with him. He defended, this is the part you've got to concentrate on. He defended the cause of the poor and the needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know the Lord, declares God? He defended the cause of the poor and the needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know the Lord? To know God is to know what is important to Him. And it seems to me that the greatest importance for God is when we have compassion and act on our compassion to those who are in need. You know, the greatest command, when when Jesus was challenged with the greatest command, he said, well, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your body and your spirit. And And just as important, the second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Just as important. And so the man who questioned him was trying to justify himself. So he said to him, well, who's my neighbor? And so Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. I I know you all know this, but I'm going to tell you it again. The Good Samaritan is a story about a man who's going home, and on the way some robbers meet him, and they beat him up to, 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 to almost death. They take everything he has, and he's lying on the ground. He's dying. And along comes the road, a priest walking along, he sees the man in front of him and he walks to the other side and off he goes. A little bit later, a Levite comes walking along, sees the man in the road, walks to the other side, never looks back, and he's gone. And then a Samaritan comes. Remember, the Samaritans were like the lowly people of the earth, you know, as far as the Jews were concerned, but a Samaritan comes along. And he's on the other side of the road, and he sees the man there, and he crosses the road. And he begins to tend to him. He begins to bandage him up. He begins to help him, comfort him, encourage him. He picks him up, and he takes him to an inn, and he pays. He does. He goes an extra mile to make sure that this man is looked after. Who is your neighbor that Jesus is talking about? He's talking about Anybody in your circumference that is in need. What does God want you to do to know more? He wants you to defend the cause of the needy and the poor in your circumference whenever you see it. But how does that mean we know Jesus more or God more? How does that work? If you look at the scripture before Matthew right at the end, it gives us a clue. It says, The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. You did it for me. The parable of the Good Samaritan gives us three philosophies of life. The robber's philosophy was, what's yours is mine. The priest and the Levite philosophy is, what's mine is mine. And the good Samaritan's philosophy was, what's mine is yours. And Jesus endorsed the Samaritan's philosophy and said, go and do likewise. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, the first question the priest and the leaver asked was, if I stop and help this man, what will happen to me? The Good Samaritan reversed this question and said, if I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? It's hard for us to understand what, what Jesus meant. When you, when you do this to the least of these, you do it to me. And, and in fact, you know, the people he was speaking to clearly didn't understand what he was talking about because they said to him, when did I see you? I didn't see you. When did I see you in prison? When did I help you? They had no idea what he was talking about. And if we're confused, then it's understandable, Right. If you're a family, if you have a family, I think you'll understand what it means. We have the DNA of Jesus Christ, the spiritual DNA of Jesus Christ. We were created in the image of God, we are His children. And I got to tell you something when the children hurt, the Father hurts. My son's probably going to tell me that I need to give him credits for this because I'm going to tell him a story. <laughs> He's going to say, the whole sermon, Dad, was my sermon because you used some of me. I remember when he was about 10 years old, uh, we were doing the boy thing. We were just doing the little punch thing and, you know, I was showing him how good I was at punching. And, and, and he was trying to, you know, like be, you know, the big boy. And I punched him too hard exactly, I punched him too hard, I hit him on the shoulder, but it was way too hard, and I don't know where it came from, or whatever, but I hit him too hard, and I could see his face, his face was like he was trying to be strong, and then he just burst into tears, it was so sore, oh yeah, (laughs) I know you don't, and I, and the thing is, that he was just sobbing, and like, you know, I I think he even went to bed, like, (laughs) sobbing like that, and And i tell you what, I can tell you now that it took me a long time. Whenever I thought of it, my heart felt sore. It really felt sore because it just hurt me. And it's the same sort of hurt that the father feels when his children are hurting. You know, if I took a hammer right now and I hit my toe, where would the pain be? In my toe. So then why do I know about it? Because my brain is attached to my toe, and my brain tells me that it's sore. My, my toe doesn't tell me it's sore, all right? I don't have some little brain inside there saying, ah! <laughs> my brain, yes, the, the toe was sore, but the brain, it's the same thing. We are the body of Christ. We are the hands and the feet. We're the body of Christ. When, when the body gets hurt, the head feels it and so what jesus is saying when somebody the hands and the feet comes in to somebody else that is hurting and begins to make that person feel better the head feels better what you did to the least of these brothers and sisters you did to me we are the children of god and it is our role To make sure that we are comforting and encouraging and helping those who are hurting. Because whenever we do that, whenever you step out and do that, you are doing it for Christ. Christ is feeling it. We're going to close now, and I just want to close with this. I want you to know, this is important to me, I want you to know that this, this message is not about salvation. All right? I'm not at any point saying that if you don't do this, you're not saved, okay? Because it's pretty clear to me, and you've got to understand this, it's pretty clear that salvation is by grace. For it is by grace that you are saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. No matter works. No one can boast about it. We are saved by grace. But what I am saying to you is that when you activate this part of your life, you will get to know God more, and He will know you more. In, in one of those aspects that I believe are most important to Him, it's clear that it's important to Him, but it's also clear that it's harder for us to do it because it's easier for me to sit and watch tennis on TV than get up and go and do something for somebody else. It's not the cause of salvation, it's the effect of salvation. It's the Holy Spirit in you. It's the fruit of the Spirit in you that compels you to stand up and say, I will go, and I will put myself, uh, e- even if it means sacrificing myself, even if it means sacrificing money, even whatever it is, to make sure that when I help somebody, Christ is feeling it, but also knowing me more. Amen. Let me just pray for everybody. Father, I just want to thank you this morning. Your word indeed is living and breathing. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you revealed to us. It was called a secret, but you've never hidden it from us, God. It's always been there. You revealed to us what's important to you in in your life. Help us, Lord God, as a people to start acting on what's important to you. Lord, help us to grow our relationship with you this year. In 2020, Lord God, as individuals, not even as corporate, but as individuals, that we would, we would start going, God, I want to know you more this year. I want to know you more. I want to read the word God more. I want to pray more. I want to help others more. I want to do all the things that are important to you, Jesus. Help me do it, Lord God, for you know that I'm a, that, that I'm weak in so many areas. Give me strength. Make me an overcomer. In your precious name, amen.
0: Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story If you love the ministry of Live City Church you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit